Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Les Walden with Les Walden Real Estate in Seneca, South Carolina. Last year, he closed 141 transactions with a total sales volume of $22 million. His average sales price was $159,000, of which 42% were buyers and 58% were sellers. He operates a team with five members, two buyer specialists, one listing coordinator, one closing coordinator, and one team leader. Les Walden is the team leader of the Les Walden Real Estate Team. He has been an agent for 17 years. He works the upstate South Carolina market. In his best year, 2006, Les sold 194 homes worth $30 million. He sold over 2,000 homes in his career. In this call, Les talks about relationship lead generation that creates two-thirds of his business how he makes friends and money at the same time, the revelation that made his business more successful and more enjoyable, his super profitable business model with a 72% net profit margin, database segmentation into three groups, target 25, hit list, and connectors, his marketing schedules for each database group, Scripts and dialogues for sphere of influence calls. Details about his two annual client appreciation events, Palooza and Santa Claus Party. Team structure and compensation, including profit sharing. Transparency, open book management, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Les. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that introduction. Les, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Uh, that's uh, that's interesting. I, I attended Clemson University, graduated. That's down here in South Carolina, of course, and graduated with a degree in marketing, and then went, as most college graduates do, into the corporate world, into sales. Uh, did that in the, the South Carolina, North Carolina region, and uh, was actually in media, media sales. So it was quite an interesting introduction to working with the public and, and how to get them to spend money. How long did you do that? About three and a half years after graduating from college. And I was in the Charlotte, North Carolina area doing that, which is near where I grew up. Actually, what happened is as I was perfecting that skill, so to speak, of dealing with people and finding out what they needed and then in turn how I could satisfy that need for them, I started realizing that the efforts I was putting in to be successful in what I was doing, I didn't personally believe I was being rewarded adequately for that. 
you, I'll, I'll say that in a simpler way. I didn't think I was being paid enough. <laughs> so as I noticed the amount of money I brought into the company and then what I was doing to increase those numbers, I, my pay didn't reflect it. So I started becoming uh, a little disgruntled in that and, and started th- saying, okay, i got to figure out something I can do to work for me and make all my efforts reward me, not necessarily everyone else. And after just kind of looking around, I was still doing this job and, and uh, in the media sales and still doing very well, but I was uh, on a weekly basis studying different industries to figure out what I could do that would uh, use my skills at, to the fullest and then at that point uh, pay me for what I was worth. And uh, after about eight months of research, I found that, that I thought, thought real estate offered that opportunity. Did you start real estate full-time or part-time? I actually started full-time when I uh, decided to, to make the change after about eight months of research. And I, I not only moved from the, the Charlotte, North Carolina area, I moved back to the Clemson area, which is about two hours away, made that move. And with that transition of location, I, I changed careers and started full-time. My first year was 1995, and it was the best decision I ever made. The previous year, and and I don't mind giving you a few numbers, uh, the previous year in in the corporate job I had, I made $53,000. And I didn't think that was too awful bad, but in 1995, my first full year in real estate, uh, I made $125,000. So at at that point, I was hooked. (laughs) So it sounds like you had a fast start. I did. I did. I took the skills I had been developing in in the corporate sales world and moved them into the world of real estate. So I I didn't mind calling on people and I didn't mind pursuing opportunities and I did not mind getting out and meeting people and uh, and, and approaching it from the angle of how can I help them? Were they looking to buy property? Were they looking to sell property? What can I bring to the table to help them accomplish their goals? And that was really what I'd been taught to do and was perfecting in the corporate world. So I hit the ground running very quickly and didn't mind getting out and, and, and uh, letting people know what I did. How long have you been in the business? Well, 95, and, and I guess this would be 2013, so I'm uh, in that 17, 18-year range. How many homes did you sell last year? We sold 115 uh, coming out of the recessionary period. I'm in a very, very small rural market. Most, people, most of your listeners may know of Clemson University. I don't sell a lot to students. <laughs> so uh, I work in two primary areas, Clemson, South Carolina, and Seneca, South Carolina. The two cities combined have 20,000 people. So I do work a little bit outside of those areas, but very small rural market, but uh, we, we closed 115 transactions last year for a little over $20 million. To put that in perspective, believe it or not, there's almost 1,700 realtors in my market, and uh, we were number one by a little more than 50% as much, again, as the next person. And how many homes have you sold in your career? Well, a little over 2,000 now. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's really getting kind of fun because there's very few areas or communities or subdivisions that I could go into now 
in in my market that I don't can't point at a few homes and say, well, oh, I sold that one. Oh, I, I sold that one too. So it, it's really getting fun now as I go through the area and can think back on, oh yeah, I remember selling that property. That was a great one. Or wow, we had a little issue getting that one closed, but it, we got it closed. And so uh, it's it's really getting to be a lot of fun. If you've sold 2,000 properties and you got a population of 20,000, you've worked with about 10% of the people in your area. Uh, at least 10% of the people <laughs> in my area, yeah. And, and, and I would tell you that uh, at this point, through using several of the strategies that I've used for, for quite some time now from, from the beginning of my career, most people in, the, in my market look at me as a more recognizable figure than, than uh, mayors, than uh, local politicians, than just about anybody here. I can walk into a room and more people in the room would know who I was than if the mayor of either town walked in. Maybe you should run for mayor. Well, let's just, uh, after seeing what just went on during this political season, let's just, <laughs> I think we'll steer clear of politics right now. So uh, they, 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 people seem to want to say bad things about you, unfortunately, when you when you run for office. So right now, I think the majority of people around my area think positively of me. So I, I'd like to keep it that way if I can. Les, how many homes did you sell in your best year, and what year was that? That was 2006, which is probably what, uh, when most, most people around the country can relate to, either 05 or 06, we closed 194 transactions that year. Look, just a shade over thirty million in production. Uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful year for us, and uh, we just had a great time doing the same things that we're doing now with some modifications. But it, it, our, our systems work in any type of climate or market. And really, what I like uh, about our systems is they don't cost you a lot of money to produce. I'm not spending tons and tons and tons of money on on marketing stuff, I, I have strategies that generate a lot of leads for us that don't cost you a lot of money. You mentioned where Seneca and Clemson, South Carolina are. Could you describe your current real estate market? We are in a very rural area. If you think about the state of South Carolina being a big piece of pie, the way it's shaped, I'm as far west in South Carolina as you can be and still be in the state. I'm right up against the Blue Ridge Mountains. And we have a lot of lakes around us. The reason I bring that to your attention is we really were not impacted like a lot, big parts of the country were in the recession, meaning we didn't lose a lot of value. Now, our values were not going up by 50% in 12 months either, but we didn't fall off. We fell off a total of about 20% tops, and we've been pretty flat after an initial drop. So our market has been kind of trucking along the same. Our average sales price in the market here is around $145,000. My team averages a little bit higher than that, not from an intentional standpoint, but we can focus on some properties that tend to bring a little more uh, average sales price. So we do average slightly more than that. We have about a 50% retirement population here being so close to the mountains. We have a lot of lakes here that are, draw a lot of people from all over the country, uh, but in particular the Northeast. 
and, and it, it's just a great place to be. We have Clemson University in our backyard, and it provides some entertainment if you do live here. I, I mean, not, when I say entertainment, they have an on-campus uh, art center that bring in shows. We have, of course, the sports, football, basketball, baseball, any sports you'd want to watch, soccer. Those are all here. So there's a lot of things to do, and we do have four distinct seasons, but none of them are very extreme. So we, we do have a winter, but our daytime, average daytime temperature is 50 degrees in the winter. Uh, we do get down in the 30s at night, but it's not too awful bad. Our average daytime temperature in the summer is around 89 degrees. So if we have those seasons, and, and people enjoy that. If you've been up north and you have to fight the snow and all that, you don't have to do that here. Your average day is on the market right now. Right now in our market, we're looking at about 125 days average, which is about where we've been for the last two or three years, give or take a week, we'll say. Do you see your pricing trending up, down, staying flat? It's relatively flat. What I see happening in my market over the next few years is we're going to start a gradual increase, but it will be very gradual. I don't see a 12-month cycle returning us 15 or 20 percent. We're, we're probably looking at 5, 6 percent on an annual basis, but I do believe we have certainly hit the bottom. We bounced off of the bottom a little bit, meaning that we go up and down. I've, I've described it to different organizations as a sawtooth recovery. We see a good month, and then we're back down just a little bit, and then we see another good month, and if you were to, to graph that out, it would kind of look like a saw blade. But I, I think it's going to actually start on a gradual, consistent increase, but not, not quickly. We're not going to have big jumps. If you were to look out at your overall market right now, what percentage of the sales are retail or traditional sales versus REO and short sales? Right now, and we're very fortunate here, 75 to 80% of our sales are just traditional retail sales. We have pretty much cleaned our market and are continuing to clean our market of uh, foreclosures, bank-owned properties, or short sales. We did not get hit like a lot of areas did, primarily because when 50% of our market moves in, they're retiring from another part of the country, and they're typically bringing cash. And, you know, I'll get calls now from people say, oh, I want a bank-owned property. And I say, well, you know, it's real hard for a bank to foreclose on a waterfront home when the owner paid cash for it. So we didn't get hit as hard with those, and, and we're clearing that out pretty, pretty quickly, which, of course, will help in that gradual increase of pricing. Do you have a niche or a specialization? Well, when you're in a market as small as mine, uh, you don't want your niche to be too small because <laughs> there's not enough business to, to keep you busy or, 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 or to provide a, a uh, satisfactory income level. So, but if we have a, my team does have a niche, but it is just residential properties. We'll sell, it's not uncommon for uh, my team to sell a $100,000 house in the morning and a million-dollar house in the afternoon. Please list the different ways that you generate leads in business. And, and this is something I, I really hope your listeners will, will pay attention to because I've used this for years and years and years, and it works beautifully. And you don't have to spend a bunch of money. There's, there's new agents getting into the business 
that maybe don't don't have a huge marketing budget, and there's uh, agents that have been in the business that, that because of what happened with the financial crisis, um, have not had great years in this industry for the last few years, and maybe don't have huge marketing budgets. And then you you may have older agents in the business that just don't want to spend that amount of money anymore. Maybe they're thinking, well, I want to retire in a couple of years, so I need to keep as much of my money as I possibly can. And so what I focus on with myself and my team, and, and I have a, a, a small team. I have two buyer specialists, a listing coordinator, a closing coordinator, and myself. So we're not a huge team, but we focus on what we call relationship lead generation. Uh, and, and, and my belief is 66% of your total business, if you have a healthy business, should come from this side of your business, the relationship lead generation. And w- what does that mean? Well, we identify on my team, each person on my team, whether you're on the support side of the business or on the selling side of the business, we identify groups of people. The first one is we call our target 25 or our T25 group, and the, please understand the number is completely arbitrary, but we, we strive on our team to have 25 of these people per person, and what they are is the person that you may describe as your very best friend or the person that you know has your back no matter what happens to you in your life. If, if you're driving down the road and have a flat tire, who are you going to pick the phone up and call that you know will come there. That person has your back all the time. And so if, if they have your back in those situations, it stands to reason that if you're doing the right things by those people, that any time they run into someone else in their sphere of influence and that person needs real estate advice, they're going to tell that person to call you. They're going to almost force them to call you. And so those people are in what we call our Target 25, and we communicate with those people on a regular basis. And I'll go back to how we communicate with them. The next group of people is what we call our hit list. Now, this doesn't mean these are people we want to go out and shoot. Uh, uh, You could also change that name to help list. And these are people that maybe you've met but don't really have a relationship with, people that you may have a different type of relationship with. You may go to dinner out uh, and see these people on a regular basis or be in some type of church club or something where you do see them, but it would not be the person you'd pick up the phone and call if you were having an issue. They're not in that, that inner circle, the closest inner circle. Those people... We have a different program that we use to communicate with them, and we want to try to get those people and move them into our Target 25 where that we know day in, day out, if those people run into someone else that has a real estate need, they're going to tell them about our team. And then the third group, and this group of folks are, are, are by no means would you not do business with them, but they are the people in your community that we call connectors. And th- these are the, per- the people that maybe you, you've caught yourself saying, well, gosh, that person knows everybody. Or that person, gosh, they're, they're this person or that person. And they, 
but they, you feel like they are community influencers. Maybe some local politicians, maybe some local church leaders. Personally, in my group, I have local human resources directors for some of the industry in our area. Those all fit into the connectors because they know people. And what you want to try to do with them is get their influence. So again, all of these three groups, what you're trying to accomplish is when they are in their life, in the heat of battle, as I like to say it, in their busy lives, that they're going to, if they run across someone that has a real estate question or a real estate need, they're going to tell that person to call you. We Through those relationships is how we generate 66% of our business. And it doesn't cost anything. All it costs is a little bit of your time and a plan. That's it. It doesn't cost you, you're not going out and, buying billboards, you're not going out and buying ads in newspapers or print publications, you're not spending additional monies on online advertising. All of this involves is identifying these groups of people and then getting involved in their lives so that they remember you when they run across somebody that has a real estate need. And it has worked beautifully for us. We generate 66% of our business on an annual basis from just staying in touch with these people. You have each of your team members put together these three lists? Absolutely, because we all, in the South, we like to say we all run in different circles. My team's friends are not the same as my friends. And so each team member is responsible for this ongoing list. It's not a stagnant list. It's an ongoing list because... One of my buyer specialists may bump into somebody at lunch today that needs to go on their hit list or help list, and they want to start implementing the programs we have to stay in touch with that person. Now, I gave you the categories of people in order of importance, and let me define importance, in order of how much we do for each group. You do more for your best friend than you do for the person you met today. And so in that target group, that top group, that most important group, we're communicating with them more frequently. We're, we're giving them opportunities. We're inviting them to lunch. We're inviting them to not only one-on-one lunches, face-to-face lunches, but we're inviting them to lunches with three or four of our target 25 groups so that maybe they can help each other. We're also sending them a gift at their, on their birthday. We're sending them something uh, at Christmas you know, time, different things, but we're doing more for that group than we are for the hit list or the connectors group because those people have our back. We expect four to six referrals per person in those groups per year. So if you've got 10 in your target 25 and you're doing these type things for those people and you get four referrals, you just did 40 transactions. It's absolutely astonishing how the numbers explode. And so you say target 25, your goal is to have 25 people in there, but you might only have 10. 
You might. I mean, really, in your life, Mike, if, you, if I were to ask you, how many best friends do you have? Just one. Right. The 25 is a number that we try to get to. It gives us a target. It gives us a goal. It's a goal inside of a goal to help us meet our transaction goal. I would tell you that there's very, very few people out there that ha- would have 25. If you've got 25 best friends, really what that tells me about you is you probably are the best friend in the world. And that's great, and that's my goal. I want to be, in order to have a best friend, you've got to be a best friend. Good. So people that are listening don't have to stress out if they don't have 25 people in that top tier. This is truly the top tier, and it may be smaller than 25. I would tell you that if you're starting this program today, you might have three or four in that list. But your goal is to grow that list, to take people out of your hit list, which is going to be a tremendous list. Now, if I were to say, Mike, how many people do you think you know in your market? Thousands. So that could be a tremendous list. Your goal then is to take your hit or help list, whatever you want to call it, and, okay, I've got an opportunity to move Joe Smith into my Target 25. How do you do that? By being his best friend, by being involved in his life, by helping him accomplish his dreams. What I have found when I implemented the thought process of I want to get involved in someone else's life and help them accomplish their dreams, it was amazing how many of them wanted to help me accomplish mine. And it's, it's really a, a, a law of nature called the law of reciprocity. But I also want people to understand that by making one phone call, they're not all of a sudden going to be your best friend. It typically takes at least 8 to 15 unique communications for you to even get involved in their life. A good friend of mine describes it as saying, I want you to get in their canoe and go down their river with them. And if you do that, and you're there for them, and over time they realize you're there for them, they're going to be there for you. If you've got someone on your hit list and you know that their child is a dancer and you know that they're going to be competing on a certain weekend in a dance competition, call them and ask them how it went and be genuine about it. If they didn't win, I'm sorry, I'm sure they will next time. What can I do to help you? But that's how you get involved in their life, and by getting involved in their life, they will move forward and move into your target 25. Now, Les, you've mentioned that you have a, a system, a structure for this to, to try to take these emotional connections and try to push them forward. So what's your system for taking these groups and turning it into business? Well, the, the first thing we do is with our target 25 We've got certain things that we're going to do with those people every year. They're going to get a monthly phone call minimum from my team member that that they're in that group. They're going to get quarterly opportunities to win things from us. We send out a a post. Sometimes it's a direct mail piece. Sometimes it's an email piece. And give them opportunities to win 
a Kindle Fire is what's coming up next. Another thing we give them the opportunity to win is 25,000 frequent flyer miles, which will get them really anywhere in the United States uh, on a flight. We give those, that, those opportunities. We also have two events per year that they are, are especially invited to. Not only do they get an invitation, but they get a phone call inviting them. And those events, one in the summer, one more in the winter type time that we do for them. And they get priority situations going on with our team all the time. So it's an escalated communication. Now, what, what you have to do, this is a real simple, simple, simple concept. Our systems are centered around how, many, how often we're communicating and what we're doing for that particular person. But you've got to become a genuine person. And, Mike, I want to tell you what turned this around for me because when I when I watched this particular movie, and uh, it made it changed my entire life. I've been a person that was all about goals, set number of goals. I want to do this many transactions. I want to make this much money. I want to do this. It was all about number of transactions. But I had a a good friend. He was actually uh, we were talking about growing our lives, as, and, and he said, "Well, do me a favor, Les. Won't you go watch the bucket list?" Mike, you ever watched The Bucket List? Yes. Okay, so you know the movie. While we were talking, he said, well, Les, what's, what's on your bucket list? And I said, well, you know, this is going to sound very, very egotistical. I said, but I don't really need or have a bucket list. If I want to go do something, I go do it. If I want to fly to Denver and go snow skiing, I'll call, book the flight, find a place to stay, and I'm going to go. I don't have to put it on a list that I'm going to do this one-day list. And he said, oh, well, okay, watch the movie anyway. So I was watching the movie, and, and uh, I, I was sitting there with my notepad beside me because I thought I was, I'd, I'd never seen the movie. And, but I knew the concept behind or I thought I knew the concept behind the movie. And I was sitting there with my little notebook and my pen, and I put on the movie, and I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm thinking I'm going to be writing a list of all these things I want to do. If you remember the movie, you know, go to the pyramids or drive a race car, or I thought that's what I was going to do. And about halfway through the movie, it hit me. And I'm sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden I realized I want a best friend like that. And then what was really astonishing, and, and it really changed my entire life, was probably within a couple minutes of, of saying that. And I think I actually, I was sitting there by myself, but I think I actually said that out loud. I want a best friend like that. And probably two or three minutes, maybe five at the most, I completely shut down. I completely lost control. And I said, I want to be a friend like that. And so that changed my entire life from that day on. I took that and said, okay, I'm going to make everybody's life that I come in contact with better. Whatever it takes, I'm going to make it better. And when I started doing that, these systems that I've been using for years, and keep in mind, this didn't happen until about a year and a half ago. But when I started doing that, these systems that I've been using for years all of a sudden came to life. It just all of a sudden people were just 
pouring in referrals. People were calling and checking on me. How are you doing, man? Things going well. What can I do to help you? And I, it, it just it clicked. It made the whole world make sense all of a sudden that while I was helping people through the real estate industry, and that's what we do. We help people. We either help them find new homes or we help them get out of homes that they need to get out of or help them move to a new area for job transfer. We help people. But when I finally understood what helping people meant is when it took this part of my business philosophy to a whole new level. I assume that that's affected the quality of the communication that you have on each of these contacts. It, it certainly has. It, it, it's made such a tremendous difference because I am now listening better. I've heard for years the good Lord gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen twice as much as you talk. So many times as salespeople, we don't do that. But now I, I listen better. I understand more what people need, what they want. And they can tell when you really adopt that philosophy, they can tell that you're looking for a solution that will help them, not one that is solely motivated in helping yourself. Because of this experience, this revelation, have you increased your target 25? I have. I have. This is a sad thing to say, but when I made this revelation and I got real honest with myself about this target 25, and remember how I described them to you, it's the person that you know has your back under in any instance. I described it as simply as who would you call if you had a flat tire on the side of the road or, you know, if you were having a, a life crisis, who would you call? I didn't have any. I didn't have any that fit there. I thought I did. But when I really sat down, and I can honestly tell you today that I have around 12 to 15 of those people that I know would come to my aid no matter what's going on. And it, it's made a tremendous difference. And, and I, I know we're talking about um, more about your life and how you function in your life right now, but the spillover into your business, I'm not just trying to tell you to be a better person in your life. The spillover into your business is phenomenal. I get at least three phone calls a day from those 15 people with a lead, a real estate lead. So you've been able to improve the quality of your personal life and the quality of your business at the same time. Absolutely the same time. Absolutely the same time. You mentioned that in your Target 25, you make these monthly phone calls. What do you talk about when you make that call? It really has absolutely nothing to do with real estate unless they take it to real estate. I'm calling. I know everything there is about these people. For instance, as one of the gentlemen in my Target 25, I didn't even know him. Well, we're probably coming up on 
six, seven months. At this point, I know everything about him. I know that he was an all-conference center in high school. I know that his wife, Sherry, they met in high school but didn't date because she thought he was a loser. I know that they have uh, two children, and I know right now I'm the only person on the planet other than them that knows that she's pregnant. I know everything there is about them, so I pick up the phone and call them. Now, when I say monthly, a system, understand my philosophy on a system, is your minimum standard. I talk to this guy probably twice a week. If not, it just maybe for a couple minutes. Hey, man, how's it going? He owns an insurance company. I'll talk to him about insurance business. You know, what's going on? How's this going? Again, that's a minimum standard. We go to lunch probably twice to three times a month. We we get together and go to dinner. I just had a birthday. He coordinated my entire birthday celebration. So I know everything about these people, and they know everything about me. So when we talk, it's like, well, Mike, when you call your best friend, what do you talk about? Oh, real estate. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? If your best friend wants to know about real estate, you have no problems having that conversation. But does your best friend know that you're in real estate? Oh, certainly. They, as you said, they, they know everything about you, and you try to figure out everything about them as well. Right. And, you, and then, then take that information and try to help them and try to do things to help them uh, accomplish their dreams. You know, this gentleman I'm talking about, I helped him accomplish a dream. He wanted to live on one of the lakes here. And so I helped him accomplish that dream. Now, that was real estate. It was an extremely lucrative transaction for me. I received a $20,000 commission check for that one transaction. That's a pretty good check for my market. But, you know, he would not have done that with anybody else. Nobody else. And then he turned right around and referred me to someone else in his sphere of influence, his Target 25, who has now become part of my Target 25, and I sold them the property right next door. And so that's the other the other benefit of this system is that you're not only working your target 25, your sphere of influence, but you're able to tap into the sphere of influences of these really tight-knit relationships in your target 25. Absolutely. And, and look at it this way. It, it grows your influence exponentially. And, and what I'm saying that is if you've only got 10 people, and your target 25. Let's just assume that because you only know 10 people, that all the people in your target 25, the 10 in there, they only know 10 people. Well, all of a sudden, you just gained influence over 100 people without really doing anything other than being a good friend. And, it, you know, it is so rewarding. I've gotten referrals my whole career, but and it's because I, my team and I do a great job in the transaction. But now the difference in the referral is when the person calls, they will say, such and such told me to call you because you would take care of me. Not such and such told me to call you and leave it at that. And so it's a whole different level. And when you get to that level, that's when people, they go out of their way to refer people to you. Les, are you saying that prior to this 
this revelation watching this movie a year and a half or so ago, you didn't experience those type of referrals? I experienced referrals because I've always been good at what I do. I've always been a market leader in that I know what's going on in my market. I have what I refer to on my team as 100% market knowledge. We strive for 100% market knowledge all the time. What's on the market? What's been sold? What's getting ready to come on the market? How are those things going to impact the current market? Do we have something happening that's going to impact this, commu- this part of the community? We have 100% market knowledge, and because of that, we've had success in selling properties. Because of our success in selling properties, we've gotten referrals. If you're good at something, somebody's going to refer somebody to you if you've had the opportunity to work with that person, most likely. But what I'm saying now is the referrals are still coming, but instead of just saying, you know, Joe Homeseller told me to call you because you can get my home sold, that, that statement now becomes Joe Homeowner told me to call you because you will take care of me. Sure. So it's a deeper level of trust off the bat. Right from the get-go. And this is, we talk about this on our team all the time. We want to become our client's best friend, and it's, and it's pur- purely business-motivated, in that, Mike, could you fire your best friend? Wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't be a good situation. And you're going to give your best friend the benefit of the doubt, aren't you? Of course. And you're going to give them every opportunity, even sometimes too long, to prove themselves. And so we want to become that best friend. We want the referral now that says, hey, Joe Homeseller told me to call you because you'll take care of me, not just Joe Homeseller told me to call you. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Les, going back to the system and the structure for a minute, you talked about the monthly phone calls. That's a minimum. You've also mentioned you want to give them these quarterly opportunities to win. You said you're sending that information out by mail and email, and you're giving them opportunities to win a Kindle Fire or frequent flyer miles. And then you also mentioned that you're having two events per year. What, what kind of events? Well, the first event, and we just actually uh, instituted this event this past summer. I would mentioned earlier, Mike, that we're surrounded by lakes here, beautiful, beautiful lakes and, and beautiful waters. And so um, I put together an event for the first time this past summer, uh, and we called it Palooza. And no one had ever put together a party. We, we subtitled it Lake Kiwi's Largest Party Ever. And uh, we put together this event. I brought in a uh, band, an up-and-coming band from Nashville, Tennessee. They're awesome. And then a band from Greenville, South Carolina, that the lead singer actually made it to uh, semifinals on American Idol. So very good bands. We put in a beautiful stage, great sound system. 
and we just really promoted through our Target 25s and our hit list and got people to come out to it. Now, what did my Target 25 get that nobody else got? They got to meet the bands. They got to be on the front row. And what we did is we put the stage right out next to the water so to watch the concert, the all-day concert, you were actually in the water, either on a float or on your boat. It was a wonderful event. Not only did it reward our, our sphere of influences, we had other people coming that were part of their sphere of influences. We had about 125 boats there. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful event. And now we're going to take that event, and, and we, we promised at the end, I got up on stage, which I couldn't pass the opportunity with a huge PA system. <laughs> I got up on stage, made the announcement that this was the first annual, got a huge, huge cheer from the crowd. Uh, it was just a wonderful event, but we're taking that event now, and uh, I'm forming a, a uh, nonprofit organization, and we're going to turn it into an event to raise money for a charity local charities. And so that's giving back to my community that I rewarded my Target 25. They helped me promote the event. It was just a wonderful opportunity. That's, that's going to be our summertime event now, and it's going to serve many purposes. My Target 25 group will always get to meet the bands in person. They'll get to talk to them. This make them feel special. They always get the first row. We put in about 12 boats. Uh, and that's where my Target 25 get to be. They're on the first row. So it's, it's, uh, they get special privileges at that event. The wintertime event that we do is um, a Santa Claus party. <laughs> and uh, it, it's a lot of fun. So those people get to come to that event. That's the two big events we do. Now we also do with our Target 25 a lot of, personal face-to-face meetings like over lunch or a coffee or dinner. And then we also do what we call group Target 25 meetings, which will bring three or four small intimate groups of our Target 25s together. And we try to put people together that maybe can benefit from each other. If you've got a, a builder uh, or a developer and a guy that builds roads, we may try to have that lunch with them in that same group. We want the group to feed off of each other. Have you standardized these smaller personal meetings? For instance, did you put a budget together so your team members can bring out their Target 25 to lunch or coffee or these small groups? Is that formal where the company is providing the location and the the drinks and the food and whatever else? Or is it more informal where you're just paying for that out of your pocket? Well, and that's even the better part. I have shown my team members how this works, and they because it works so well for them and them getting referrals from their Target 25, they're paying for it out of their own pocket. It makes a huge difference in their personal lives, and that's what they've learned. Now, if they had an event, my team will come to me, an individual, my team will come to me, I'm a member at a local country club, and occasionally you, you, can't, you can only get in if, if you're a member, and they'll come to me and say, can I take such and such out to the club and feed them lunch? You know, give them, I, yeah, go ahead. I don't spend my 
food minimums anyway. So <laughs> go on out there and eat something on me. So occasionally that's the case, but it's not an every time situation. This is where I've, I'm teaching my team that these are your best friends. Would, would you come to somebody else and say, hey, Mike, you come to me and say, Les, would you, you pay for lunch for me and my best friend? But they're getting these referrals from their friends, and they see how it works. It works very well. Now, you could certainly do what you said and put together and say, hey, you've got 30 bucks to take this person to lunch uh, or one person from your Target 25 once a month or something like that. You, you know, the team would pay for that. But I believe if you can sit down with your team, you can show them how this works. And it's just talking about your best friends and how this is going to impact their business. I mean, my, the two buyer specialists that I have right now have both increased their business by 25-plus percent this year based on this one program. Why would they not want to take them to lunch on their dime? Les, let's go back for a minute before I forget these events. First, the the Palooza on the lake. Do you have banners up that have your, your name or your company name displayed? Yes, yes, on the stage. Very good. So if somebody were to come in on a boat randomly, they could see what's going on and, and you would be promoting yourself at some level, correct? Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. We promoted the West Walton Real Estate Team just as a promoter of the event, Les Walden put a lot of personal time. Les Walden put a lot of money into the event. But what I did after doing it this summer is I've already had four or five bands contact me wanting to be a part of it. I've had a couple different people that would specialize on the lakes and marinas and uh, boat dealers come to me and say, hey, can we become a part of it? So that's kind of what prompted me into saying, okay, I can use this as a tool to better my community by making it a, a situation where I can raise money for charity. Because if I can offset the expense of the event, then we can raise money for a charity. So now I'm looking to be able to do that. But the first one, yes, we had a, a beautiful big stage. We had a, a sound system. I hired professional sound engineers to come in. They brought all the sound system in. It was actually... Uh, if you're familiar with the Zach Brown Band, it's the guys that do sound for Zach. So they came in, put in a beautiful sound system. Of course, it was pointed out across the lake, so sound carries beautifully across the water. It was an interesting. As we set the event up, it was on a Saturday. As we set up the stage and the, uh, the sound system on Friday, the sound guys got finished about 5 p.m., and they wanted to run through a test. Okay, that's awesome. So they just hooked up an iPod and started playing music through the speakers, and they, it took them a little bit because they were testing each individual speaker, and then they got through the test, and they said, okay, you ready to hear what, you, what you're going to have here? And I said, I've been waiting for a little while. And uh, they cranked it up, and it was so amazing. We're standing there listening to the music, and it was actually some Zach Brown music they were playing, and some, a boat, actually two boats, about a thousand yards off of the coast was going by and stopped dead in their tracks and turned and came up in there. 
where we had it all set up. And so they said, wow, we'd heard this was going on, but this is what you're doing? And they went and actually started promoting the event even more the day before. So it, it was, uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And uh, so as people pulled up and then actually, and it was not planned at all, I kicked off the event, welcomed everybody to, to the Floatapalooza and thanks for coming and kind of got the crowd geared up. Of course, again, it was a giant PA system. I couldn't help myself. And then... Uh, about two-thirds of the way through the uh, event, which each band played about three hours, so it was about six hours of music. But a guy, it's uh, probably be in my hit list. He's certainly not in my Target 25. Got up on stage, walked, just walked over to the microphone, got, got permission to walk over to the microphone, walked over to the microphone, pulled it off the stand, and said, I want everybody here to give a big round of applause for Les Walden because he's the man that put all this together and he's the man that's done this so y'all can all have a great time. It was probably the biggest cheer of the day. That's fantastic. Les, how much did this whole thing cost you? Right at $5,000. And you do it again, so it must have been worthwhile. It's definitely worthwhile. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about the, this upcoming event this next summer. I've got people asking me about it and talking about it and but I'm excited because now I can take something that I wanted to do and turn it into a, a thing where I can help improve my community. I can give back to my community. And ultimately that's what I'm talking about doing with each and every one of the people in your target twenty five or your hit list is how can you get involved in their individual life to make their life better now I'm taking that to a huge scope and saying, what can I do to make my community a better place? Did you also have people out on the beach that were watching the concert? Uh, no, we required everybody to be in the water. In a boat. Yeah, they had floats too, <laughs> and jet skis, and boats. And, and we did, because, and it came up last minute. But because some people started communicating with other people and saying, we don't have a boat, how do we get there? What we did was we um, went to to Walmart (laughs) and bought every little plastic float that you could blow up, just a little inner tube float, round float, and blew them up, threw them in the water. And then we had one buddy of mine that has a 24-foot boat, and we started communicating with people saying, meet at this spot, we got a boat taxi. And we'd run the boat over there to a, to a dock on the lake. That people would get on the boat, he'd run them back and drop them in the water, and they could grab a float. And they could stand up, too. I mean, it, 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 the water is a gentle takeaway. It's kind of like walking out into the ocean. It was a, just a gentle takeaway where we set this up. So, but if they wanted to float, they could grab a float. They might see somebody they knew with a boat. They crawl, crawl up on their boat. Or you had somebody like me that probably was on 50 boats during the day. I went to probably 50 different boats just talking to people and, you know, enjoying the, uh, the event. So, Let's tell us about your Santa Claus event. What is that? Well, what we do is there's a local gentleman that, that honestly thinks he's Santa Claus. And, uh, and he looks like Santa Claus. He... he in uh, 
August, he starts growing his beard. He's got uh, beautiful blonde gray hair, and he grows it out a little bit longer. And come December 1st, he honestly is Santa Claus uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He, that's the way, if you were to come up to him and if you were walking down the street, you wouldn't even, and he's dressed in normal clothes, you would say, wow, this dude really looks like Santa Claus. And if you went over and you introduced yourself, he would introduce himself as Santa Claus come December. So what, knowing this gentleman, I've just uh, put together an event with a professional photographer. We invite, uh, really in this event, we invite our Target 25, our hit list, our connectors, anybody that wants to come to the community, and he will set up and allow anybody to take pictures with him. We've got the professional photographer there that's taking the pictures, and we give the people the pictures. We just give them to them. And the kids come, and it's just a wonderful event. We typically have coffees and ciders, and we don't provide a lot of food, but they, the parents have things they can drink and they get to talk to each other and co-mingle, and it's just a wonderful event that we put together. Kids, of course, all want to have a picture with Santa Claus. Most of them do. Some of them get a little bit nervous. But uh, it's just a fun wintertime event. I've got a summertime event. It's a wintertime event. So that gives us our two a year. Plus, before I forget, I want to go back. You have told us a lot about the Target 25 and, and your system for contacting them. Talk to us now about your hit list and what type of system do you have there for contacts and frequency of contacts? Wonderful. Uh, and remember, your hit list is probably going to be a very large list. These are people that you've met through the years. They could possibly be past customers and clients. Just anybody that you want their business and or their influence in your business. And so while they're not your best friend and you may have other people you term as friends. You don't get together as frequently with those friends. You don't maybe buy them a, a gift for their birthday. You don't do some of those things, but you still communicate with them. And if you see them, you certainly acknowledge them and communicate with them. So really all we've done is taken our, our Target 25 plan and just backed it down a little bit. We certainly still try to communicate with them on a monthly basis. And we like to mix it up. We call it unique contacts. One month it may be a telephone call. Another month it may just be a handwritten note card. If we've got an email address, it may be an email. But your goal through those conversations is to get to know that person better. Again, if you know everything there is to know about your Target 25 group, the more you get to know about people in your hit list, the easier it is to move them to your Target 25 group. So what's happening in, in one of these contacts that you're trying to get to know them? Are you promoting yourself in your business, or are you simply asking them questions like, uh, what's your favorite color? I'm trying to get an idea of, is it standardized, and, and what is the essence of the contact? What, what exactly are you sending or saying to them? Right. The content is not real estate motivated. The contact is more finding out about them. In the course of normal conversation, I don't want to sit here and tell you that we have a list of questions, but what I'm trying to find out is it, through questions is what, what's going on in their life? Has there been a layoff at their plant? 
they weren't maybe involved in, hopefully they weren't, but they probably know people that were. I use that as an example because that just happened in our area. There was a 150-person layoff at a plant. I called somebody that works there more to check on them. They're in my hit list. Say, hey, is everything okay? I heard about what was going on. They told me about it. They said how sad it was, you know, that, that some of their friends got laid off and um, how they were nervous about, wow, is the company going to do another round of layoffs? And just listened, and, and I was their friend. I, I allowed them to talk to me. And before the conversation was over, they gave me three names of people that lost their job and said, Les, can you call them and try to help them? Now, one of them led to a listing because the guy immediately got another job with another company out of the area. The other two haven't turned in anything yet. But because I called and had a specific person that they knew said, hey, they asked me to give you a call, see if there's anything I could do to help you. And that person talked to me. Now, they, it hasn't turned in anything today, but I will guarantee you that that one contact with those two other people will turn into a deal. They may not sell their house. Hopefully they get another job locally that will help their families. But they're going to know somebody that's got to sell something or know somebody that wants to buy something. And because I called and was genuinely concerned and had this other person's name to share with them, it opened the door. Les, for this hit list, you're talking about the phone calls. What about the handwritten notes? What kind of things do you write in there? You know, it, it's really, they're really short and to the point because I try to write five a day. And, and when I say I, I, I try to write five, it's literally I try. I, I may write one one day and six the next and three the next, but I try to write five a day. And it's just a quick note. If I, I know something's gone on in their life, if their child has just done something nice, I, the local high school, one of the local high school football teams, a lady I know, her son called a touchdown pass in the last game of the year. And so I just wrote a quick note, you know, that saw Stan caught a touchdown pass. I know you're a proud mom. Let me know if I can ever do anything for you, Les. And just mailed that out to her. And the note card has Les Walton Real Estate Team on it. Uh, and on the back, and you know, it's got... Referrals are the highest compliment. I, you still do those basic business principles. You know, we're branding the business on the front. We're telling them that referrals are the highest compliment we can be paid on the back. But it's what's on the inside, what I write. And, and I don't want to write a dissertation. People don't want to read the long stuff. They don't have time to read the long stuff. But if you can find something like that, always include it about that particular person. Now, if you don't know anything that's going on in their life, hey, was thinking about you today. If there's anything I can do to help you, don't hesitate to give me a call. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to pick up the phone and call you that day. It just means that they know you're there and that they know you care. You've got to be there and they've got to know you care, and then they're going to start sending people to you. And intermingling that with the phone calls is awesome. It works great. And the emails that you're sending out to the hit list, these monthly emails, are they more like the personal handwritten note or is it more of a standardized email? It's more like the personal handwritten note. Just checking on you, see how things are going. And, of course, on the email, the signature, 
got my name, West Lawn Real Estate Team. Like us on Facebook. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. It's got all still the basic business principles in there. But what they're keying in on is the fact that I'm checking on them. How are things going? What can I do for you? And, and a phrase I like to use more than call me if I can help or do, tell me what I can do for you. Give them more of a call to action than if you need me, call me. Go ahead and tell me what I can do for you. Just go ahead and tell me. So I, I would encourage you to, to be careful in your wording to not just say, call me if you need me. It would be, what, tell me what I can do for you. On this hit list, looking at the, the big picture system, you talk now about monthly contacts. Do you also do things that you're doing for your Target 25, like the four quarterly opportunities to win or the two events? Are, are the, is the hit list in that program as well? Yes, sir. They do get the opportunity to win the giveaways. But now where it starts to differ, we've got the monthly contacts in the Target 25 and the hit list. They get the quarterly opportunities to win something from us. But where it starts to change is we're not taking them out to lunch as frequently. If, if we've got somebody on the hit list that we think are is about ready to move into our Target 25, then we're taking them to lunch. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as systemized as the Target 25 group where we know we're getting together with them for fa- with face-to-face meetings. This is more when you feel it progressing, then you may move them into having a face-to-face meeting. If you've been able to break through the barrier and become that friend, then all of a sudden you may need to get a face-to-face with that person and go to lunch and just talk about their life and what, you know, what's going on and laugh and cry and whatever it takes to be what a good friend does. And so, but that, they don't automatically get the lunches, so to speak, or the, the, uh, the coordinated lunch where you may have three or four together. That's where it starts to differ and starts to fall off. Now, the hit list, they also get invited to the Palooza and the Santa Party. They get invited to that, too. So, really, the big difference is the face-to-face meeting. What about the third category you mentioned, the connectors? Are they receiving everything you have for the people on the hit list? Yes, sir. They receive everything we do, and then they get something a little bit different than everybody else. And what they get from us is more market knowledge oriented. Some people on my connectors list would be human resources directors. If I know the human resources director at ITRON, for instance, which is one of our local industries, and the human resources director at Duke Energy, and I know that ITRON is laying off 100 people, I'll probably pick up the phone and call the human resources director and say, hey, ITRON's going to lay some people off. If y'all are looking, might be some good pickings there. Now, what I've done is offer that person some market knowledge, not anything that would hurt ITRON, but I'm trying to help those people that may be getting laid off, and they appreciate that. Or I may, the, you know, a, a uh, local politician as a connector, 
there's a few of them that, yes, are trustworthy. And I will, will call them, and, and if I know, you know, some developers looking at a piece of property, you know, have, I'll ask them, have you heard anything about this? What's going on? What can I do to help? Because if they come in, that's going to mean jobs for our community. That's going to mean improvement for our community. And so I give them the benefit of my knowledge, and then I also give them market numbers. Everybody wants to know how the real estate market is doing. Everybody. But these people use it to help better the community, typically. If I tell a politician that our market is flat, basically flat, when all he's been hearing in the national media is everything's going up or down, that's going to benefit him. And then I explain to him why it benefits him, that, that real estate is local. It's actually hyper-local. And so if you're watching Brian Williams on the, the NBC National News and he's reporting about real estate, that's not necessarily what's happening here. And so they use that to help them in preparing and, and leading our community in certain directions. So they, they get the benefit, uh, direct benefit of my market knowledge of what I'm doing all the time. Les, if we were to look at these three categories, your personal three categories, how many people are in each group? So how many people are in your target 25 right now? 12 to 15 in my target 25. How about in your hit list? About 1,000. And how many in your connectors? Seven. In that list, is that your sphere of influence or does that also include your past clients? Have you grouped them all together or are they separate, past clients and sphere of influence? Basically, the Target 25, the hit list, and the connectors, each group contains some of my past clients. You know, I've got past clients in the hit list category. I've got past clients in the Target 25 category. And I've got past clients in the connectors category. doesn't mean if somebody's in the connectors category, you won't do business with them. It just means it's that that's the person that you've possibly said to somebody else. They, they know everybody. If you want to know somebody, call this person because they know everybody. That's a connector. They can connect you to big, big parts of your market, of your area. So that's why they fit into that category. But past customer clients fit in there. Also, in some instances, what we call closing contact buyers and closing contact sellers fit into those categories as well. Not in, I don't have any closing contact buyers or sellers in my Target 25 but in my hit list, I do. What does that mean? Closing contact buyers? What does that mean? That is, if, if I have a listing, if Les Walden Real Estate Team has a listing, and Joe Realtor from 123 Realty down the street brings the buyer to the transaction, that's a person that my team has come in contact with through that transaction, but they didn't work with us. And so we get their contact information throughout the transaction, and we start communicating with that person after the transaction's over. So if Joe Realtor sold my listing at 123 Main Street, then I've got a closing contact buyer. Some people call that a co-op buyer or the co-op seller. So the buyer, the seller on the other side of the transaction. Do you have a separate group for 
past clients? Do you treat past clients differently or do they fall into the categories we've been talking about? Do you have anybody that's a past client that you handle in a different way than what we've been talking about? No, sir. They all fit into those categories. They all fit somewhere into those categories. Let's talk about your team for a second. You've got four people on your team plus yourself. Could you do a favor for us to walk down through those titles, those positions, and tell us what each does on a day-to-day basis? Okay. I am a big proponent of people being specializing in aspects, certain aspects of the real estate industry. So if you're on my team, you're going to take one part of the real estate industry and you're going to be an absolute expert at that part. So the first part of the team is buyer specialist. Of course, by their name, and I'm sure your listeners have heard this many times, they only work with buyers. Their job is to qualify the leads that we have generated financially. The first way they get them qualified. The second way they get them qualify them is on their motivation. Do they need a property in 60 days or six months? That makes a difference in how you work with that person. They also try to find out or qualify them on their motivation for moving. We have people that it's such a beautiful area here, and we're so in love with our area here. We have people that may pass through here driving from New Jersey to Florida on vacation, and they're like, oh, my God, this is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. I've got mountains. I've got lakes. I've got all these great things. And all of a sudden, they just they want to go look at property doesn't mean we won't work with them, but they really don't have a reason to move here versus, say, the guy that was transferred from Raleigh, North Carolina, to Seneca, South Carolina with Duke Energy. He's got to have a home. That's his reason for moving. So their job is to take the leads that are generated, qualify them on those fronts, get them into the office, do a buyer counseling session, and then get them out and find the right home for them. Once they get that transaction completely executed, meaning they've shown them the property, they've written the offer, and the offer is fully executed, then those buyer specialists, two of them, working with their own individual leads, turns that file over to our closing coordinator. The closing coordinator then takes the file from when it's pending, during the pending process, so from the day it goes under contract, And in South Carolina, we we use attorneys to close real estate transactions until we're sitting at the attorney's table. That person deals with lenders, appraisers, home inspectors, wood infestation inspectors, repairs if any are necessary. They're coordinating all the details of that pending transaction to get us to the closing table smoothly and effectively. And then I have a listing coordinator. The listing coordinator works with me on the listing side of the business. They prepare my pre-listing files. When I go out and list a piece of property, it's my job to get the, the listing documents fully executed. And when they're fully executed, I turn it over to the listing coordinator. And the listing coordinator then implements our marketing program, They're in charge of communications with our listed clients. They prepare uh, any documentation that's needed 
to update that client. Really, I don't get pulled back into the listing unless there is an issue with that listing. My job is to go out and convince that potential seller that we're who they need to hire. Once they've hired us, I turn it over to the listing coordinator. So my job on the team then is to go on the listing appointment, convince those people of that, and then in addition to that, to give direction to the team. Where are we going? What's our goal? How are we going to get there? I tell my team all the time, I'm a great leader, not a manager. If I have to manage you, you don't need to be here because I'm not good at it. I want to say this is where we are and paint a very, very clear picture of where we want to be and say, here we go. Let's go. We're all going together. And they do what they do best, whether it's being a buyer specialist, whether it's being a listing coordinator, whether it's being a closing coordinator. They do what they do best to get us there. The buyer specialist, how have you arranged their compensation? They get 50% of all transactions, 50% of the commission of all transactions they close, and the team pays all of their expenses uh, minus I do not pay for their car and I do not pay for their cell phone. But the team pays their MLS dues, their board dues, those type things. Now, they do have minimum standards. They have to close a minimum of 24 transactions a year, which is kind of a joke to them. Uh, (laughs) They blow through those numbers pretty quickly. But what I did was look at the expense of the team the fact that I don't want to break even, I want to make money and say, okay, if you don't do 24 transactions, I can't cover these expenses or the team can't cover these expenses and the team be profitable until you hit that number. So if the thing, if they don't hit that number, then they're responsible for those fees and may not be invited to be on the team the next year. You brought up a good point We've heard your your concept for your business. There's some people out there thinking they might want to pursue it, and so they're going to ask a question. Are you profitable? Very, (laughs) very. Matter of fact, I had a meeting with my accountant last week that uh, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do with some of it, which is a good problem to have. And when I say what to do with some of it, it is American to try to pay as little in taxes as you can. Now, we're not going to do anything to get ourselves in trouble, but it, it is to our advantage to uh, figure out how to keep as much of that money as we possibly can. And so we, we were meeting about real estate IRAs and different things that we can do to uh, keep some of those funds rather than having to pay them out to, to the government. And, and we, I'll still pay my fair share uh, I just want my fair share to be as small as it can be. So right now, um, even I draw a salary from the company. I don't get paid based on the amount of commissions. If you include, now most people when they give you percentages of expenses versus gross profits, they don't include their own income, okay? The rainmaker does But if you include my salary, that I draw from the company, my company still makes 51% profit. So there's 51% profit after you've been paid? After I've been paid. 
That's the net that's coming out the bottom of the company. Yeah, that's at the bottom, and we're trying to figure out how to keep it now. <laughs> yeah, the key is to keep it, right. But it's, it's, uh, if you take my salary out, you're looking at our expenses run in the 27 to 28% range. That includes payroll for the support staff. That includes cost, what, we, what I term cost of goods sold, which are commissions to other agents, you know, my buyer specialist. That's all my expenses. And so it's, it's a very profitable model. And if you start looking at what most people call true expenses, what are you paying for advertising? What are you, you know, for what I call in my business funnel, the marketing lead generation size? That's only 33% of my business. So my expenses for generating that 33% are, you know, they're smaller. As a percentage of the gross. That's right. We're generating 66% off of communicating with people and being their friend. And so that's what allows my bottom line to be so robust and so healthy. That's why when I talk about the, your business funnel and your relationship lead generation and your marketing lead generation, that's why I call it a healthy business system. It is very healthy because your bottom line is very healthy. If I understood you correctly, I'm doing the math right. If you put your salary into the profit side of the equation, your net profit is somewhere around 72 73%? That's correct. That's phenomenal. It, it is, it, it, and I'm very proud of that, very proud of the business model and how efficiently we run that business model. And my, my support staff, and this is something that maybe some of your listeners want to hear, my support staff, they do draw a salary, but they also are on bonus structures. One bonus is based on improving our gross commission, our GCI. The more transactions we close in a month year over year, they get a bonus on that. So they're pushing the buyer specialist to go out and generate new transactions. They also get a quarterly bonus based on net profits. Why would I do that? Keeps them from going out and blowing money just to be blowing the money. Because they know that the better the bottom line is, they get a piece of the pie. So you're, I'm taking my support side, the listing coordinator, the closing coordinator, and saying, listen, you push the sales side to generate more transactions, and we close 30 transactions in November this year, and we closed 20 last year, you're going to get a bonus on those 10 because you helped us close more transactions. How have you structured those bonuses? Are they flat amounts per additional transaction, or is it a percentage? How's that work? On the closing side, the additional closing is a flat amount. It's $50 per transaction over on the year-over-year comparison. So using the example I just mentioned, in November of, of 2012, if we closed 30 transactions, and in November 2011, we closed 20 transactions, there's 10 transactions more, right? So they're going to get a $500 bonus that month. And then on the other side, where it's expense-driven or net profit, 
and I do that quarterly. We look at the bottom line. I pull a simple P&L. My accountant, CPA, keeps everything where I can see it all the time. He does it through QuickBooks. He didn't like that because CPAs think that's too simple a program because anybody can use it. But he keeps all my stuff on QuickBooks. He has someone come to my office on a weekly basis to update my QuickBooks on my computer so that I can see where we stand. At the end of the quarter, I'll print out a P&L. I'll show that to them, and they get a percentage. They get 3% of the net profit, the net profit. That's after my pay. That's after all of our That's after their expensive pay comes out. Everything comes out. The net profit in the business, they get a percentage. Now, if there's no net profit for that quarter, they don't get a bonus. Do they share the 3% or do they each receive 3%? They share the 3%. So they know what's going on in your business. They can do math. They could take the 3% back out and they know what the profit is for the business. They know how healthy the business is or not. Right. And I don't mind that. I believe in transparency. I'm the one that I don't have any issues with them saying, well, you're making all the money. Well, I'm bearing all the risk and expense, too. They know that. But what I'm getting, I'm getting the right people on the bus so that when they do what they do and they make this business better, they get to share in that. They don't think I'm keeping it all. They get a piece of it. Less. Why have you been so successful? Uh, I would have told you, if you'd asked me that question, Mike, uh, two years ago, three years ago, I would have told you pure and simply I work harder than everybody else out there. I still work very hard. I love what I do. So to me, it's not really working hard. It's doing something you love. I love helping people. And I'm not going to kid you. I love the adrenaline rush of being able to put transactions together. That is the way I enjoy things. Now, that doesn't mean I don't go on vacations. I do. I travel and I do th- other things I love to do as well. But a couple years ago, I told you it was pure and simply hard work. I would tell you today that my success has to do with hard work, but it has to do with caring about other people. I care about the people on my team. I care about our clients. I care about my community. At some point in time in your life, and everybody, in my opinion, will go through this phase, some earlier than others, but everybody will go through this phase in their life. You go from it's all about me to it's all about how I can make my community a better place to live. And I believe my success today and, and just to kind of give you, and, and again, this is a, a revelation that's hit me at least to fully understand the revelation in the very recent past. We've already surpassed last year's production level. We've already blown through that number, and we're continuing to go. So I would tell you that it becomes a part of you to, I want to make everything better. I believe at the end of my life, when, that, when I have that funeral, nobody in this area is going to walk up to the, to the pulpit and say, that crazy fool sold 4,000 houses in his career. 
But you know what? Three years ago, as, as early as three years ago, I would have said that's what I'm looking for. I want somebody to walk up there and say, hey, nobody sold more houses than this dude. Nobody. But now it's not about that. I want somebody to walk up there and say, you know what? He did help a lot of people. He helped a lot of people in real estate. But he helped our entire community. And that's what I want him to say now. Les, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Sit down and make your top 25, your target 25, your hit list, and your connectors list. And then start talking to them. And you're not going to them and telling them, trying to you know, say, you got any referrals? You got any referrals? Who do you know that needs to buy or sell? Who's the next person on your list that needs to buy or sell? Our world doesn't function like that anymore. Matter of fact, our world doesn't like that anymore. You go and get involved in their life. You go get involved in, in how, what you can do to help them accomplish their dreams. Don't get frustrated. It will take probably 8 to 15 contacts before you even get a chance to get involved in their life. And that could be unique, it needs to be unique contacts. It could be a phone call. It could be a handwritten note. It could be an email. You're trying to get to that face-to-face meeting. Start with who you believe is in your target 25. Those are the people that you believe have your back. If you've made the decision to be a real estate professional, go to those people. Get involved in their lives. They're going to want to help you succeed. Educate them on what they can do while you're getting involved in their life. Then move on to your hit list. Your goal with your hit list, talk to them. Get involved in their life. Some of them, you're gonna, your goal is to take all of them, but some of them you're going to be able to move into your Target 25 list. You just want to talk. You're not going to have a ton of money to go out and spend on print advertising or outdoor advertising or all these other things. I mean, websites. You're not going to have tons of money available to you. Use what you've got, your ability to help people. And if you do that, your business will grow exponentially because if you only have 10 in your target 25 and they only know 10 each, which I believe most people out there know more than 10 people, then you've instantly got influence over 100 people. And then if you can influence those 100 and they only know 10 each, you're all of a sudden up to 1,000 people you have influence over. And then if you start communicating with that 1,000 people and they only know 10 each, you can see how it just grows exponentially and your business will grow with it. Then if you want to start generating 33% of your business out of the marketing lead generation, Start looking at avenues to do that through your traditional marketing efforts of outdoor, print, online, direct mail, point of sale, those type things. But if you will get out and you will get involved in other people's lives, they will send you business. Les, what percentage of your business do you think is coming out of your top 25? Out of the 66% of our business that comes from the relationships side, Now, when I say out of our Target 25, I'm talking about my Target 25 and my team members' Target 25. 
you're, I, I don't know that I've ever truly looked at it, the exact number, but I would tell you in the neighborhood of probably 30%, 30 to 35% of our total business, so almost 50% of that side. That's fantastic. I, I was just curious if, if it ended up as more business from that small focused group than the larger group being in your hit list. Absolutely. Now, remember I told you we expect out of our target 25 people that exist in that group, we expect four to six referrals per year, per person. So if you've got 10, I would expect you to do 40 transactions. Les, do you think that top agent interviews like this one with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Absolutely. Mike, I think what you've done to move our industry forward, it, it does several things. One, I think it gives the struggling new agent or the struggling old agent uh, hope that there is somebody out there that is doing well in, the, in this business. The other thing it does is it, it dramatically shortens the learning curve. There are wheels out there that roll very well. Mine is an example, I believe, of one of those wheels, and there are many other examples of those wheels that are rolling very well in today's economy. And if you can glean information from those wheels, if you can, as we used to always hear, don't reinvent the wheel, well, I ain't going to reinvent it. I just want to steal it and put it on my car, okay? If you can get something from somebody's wheel that's already working, you get it. And then the great thing about an interview like this is your ability, Mike, to get that information packaged and get it out. You're not buying a plane ticket. You're not driving 400 miles if you couldn't afford the plane ticket. You're not getting a hotel room. You don't have those major expenses to get this information. I've had people pay me to come sit in my office and watch what I do. Well, Mike, you're making it available to people. You, you just cut off an income source for me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's, it's how I grew in this industry, interviews like this. And then once I got involved in the interviews like this, I, I would go to some training. But the first step was getting this and getting it on a regular basis it charges you back up. I mean, let's really be honest with each other, Mike, and when we say you're going to get slapped in the face in this business many times. The difference between the successful agent or the successful person and the non-successful is the one that's willing to get back up and keep going. Now, this is where what you're doing comes in handy. It's a lot easier to get back up when you got somebody in your corner telling you to get up. Think about the boxer that got knocked down. What's his ring manager screaming from the from the corner? Get up. Get up. Get up. And then once he starts screaming, get your hands up. Block that off. Throw a left jab. Well, Mike, that's what you're doing. You're screaming from the corner saying, "Get up. Get up." And then you're giving them tools to get back in the game, to get back in the bout. Get your hands up. Block that left hook he's throwing. Throw a right jab when he throws that. You're giving them those tools, and, and it, it is wonderful. It is a wonderful thing that you're doing. There have been other people that have done this. You know that as well as I know that. 
And it's how a lot of successful agents out there have grown their business, a lot. So I commend you for picking up the, the baton and moving it forward. Les, if you were to look in your crystal ball, where do you see the market going in the next few years? As a nation, I see the market, we're starting to thin inventory. I think there's enough reports out there saying that a lot of the the bank-owned and foreclosure market is, that's being sold. Now, of course, you always hear that there's some shadow inventory out there, homes that are about to be foreclosed on. I think we are thinning inventory. And if you look at the most basic economic principle of supply and demand, uh, if your supply goes down, it doesn't matter if your demand actually changes at all. But if the supply goes down, it drives your pricing up. Now, if we could get so lucky as for our supply of inventory to sell goes down and, and demand actually goes up a little bit, well, then that makes the pricing go up even quicker. But I see over the next, four to six years, a stabilizing of the real estate market. I see a gradual increase in values over that time. I also see a gradual increase in the number of sales over that time as people continue, as they're already doing, but continue to become more comfortable with where the market is and what the economy as a whole is doing. Why do I think it's going to be slow? Well, I think there's two factors that are going to make it slow. One is the consumer. I don't believe the consumer, the real estate consumer, is going to allow values to just jump quickly by leaps and bounds. They remember what happened. They remember the meltdown. They remember the issues in the real estate industry. So they're going to, I believe they're not going to allow it to happen. But... Consumers have been known to lose their minds before. Let's use Black Friday as an example. They line up at doors of, of businesses at 4 a.m. and they run over each other to get in to get to these items. Okay? But if the consumer loses their mind, I can guarantee you there's an entity that will not lose their mind, and that's the federal government. And if the federal government sees values jumping too quickly, they don't want to stymie the market. They don't want to shut the market down. But if they see values jumping too quickly, they will raise interest rates to slow down what's happening. And so I think over a four- to six-year period of stabilizing of the number of transactions and the values, and it's starting to climb on a very, very slow trajectory. What's the objective for you and your business over the next three to five years? To continue to help more people in our community. I also have the opportunity, thanks to people like you, Mike, to help other people across the country with sharing what has worked for me and my systems and philosophies, so to continue to help people across the country to grow personally and professionally. And we want to continue to grow our business through smart growth and really getting better daily on a relationship lead generation side. Uh, I have a saying that I, I repeat to my team all the time, and, and it goes to getting better every day, and it, and it is an amateur practices until they get something right, a professional practices until they can't get it wrong. And so we're practicing every day on our team 
to get to the point of where on our relationship lead generation side of our business, we can't get it wrong. We want to be there for everybody. We want to be their friends. We want to get involved in their lives. And we want to be so good at it that we do it right every single day. Well, Les, you're doing something right. Your high-profit relationship lead generation model is a will worth copying. Your revelation has benefited every aspect of your life, your friends, your business, and your community. Building deep relationships with your best friends while simultaneously developing deep income streams in your business is a winning formula. I think you'll have plenty of friends to call next time your car breaks down on the side of the highway. Thank you again for being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who generates 80% of her business by repeat and referrals from past clients and sphere of influence and sold 182 homes last year. Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.